Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever. Oh, what a morning. We got working for you here on this Thursday. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got obviously a ton of football that we will dive into here. There's more on Shohei Otani to get to. But on this day in sports, there's only one place to start. Here we go! Go, go. Only one place to start. We spent so much of yesterday wondering, and then last night we got the answer, sort of, from Adrian Wojnarowski and everybody else. The NBA indefinitely suspending Draymond Green, essentially making the decision that this is not a problem, as we discussed yesterday, that can be solved with an eight-game suspension or a 10-game suspension or a 15-game suspension. This is something that requires a different approach, and I, for one, commend them for that. Let's dive into it here. The assembled members of the Hashtag crew are with us, and our big buddy Damian Woody, good enough to hang out after we wrap up Get Up, and, and D. Wood, Obviously, we'll get into some football with you here, but but you and I were talking about this this morning, and mm-hmm. you're one who played professional sports for such a long time. You've sort of been there and done that with so many different situations. I'm really fascinated to hear. What, what is your perspective on this Draymond Green situation and the way the league reacted yesterday? Yeah, listen, I, I, Green, the first thing I said this morning in, 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 in the meeting when this topic came up was, Dre, Draymond is too damn old to be acting this way. Mm. I mean, 33 years old. Um, we've seen these type of antics from Draymond Green for quite a, for quite some time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always feel like when you when you put yourself in position uh, to be your actions are detrimental to the team, it's never a good thing. We know how instrumental Draymond Green has been to this Warriors organization. Um, as far as, you know, as far as winning their four championships, they can't win another championship. I think uh, the great Mike Wilbon said it and, and, and get up this morning. They can't win a, another championship without Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you could you keep committing these selfish acts and putting your team in a situation where it makes it that much harder for them to, to win is, is undefensible. You can't defend his actions. And that's the part. That's the area where I'm coming from is where is accountability at? Like, bro, you are pro. You've been in this league for this long. Where's the accountability for your own actions? And for you to come out and say time and time again when you when you commit these acts, like not recognizing that there is, it's, it isn't egregious. Like, I could see one time, but then you learn from it and don't commit it again. And you keep doing it time and time again, and you're putting even more pressure on, on Steph Come on, bro. That, that's just being selfish. And as far as the league's penalty on this whole thing, I've, I've said it. Um, I've said it before. You got to take the emotion out of it. What? What? What is? What did they? How did they collectively bargain this? Because that's what it's ultimate. That's ultimately what you have to fall back on. Because if we go off of emotion, then what it basically going to happen? I, I know Dominic Foxworth talked about it on Get Up yesterday. You're going to end up ceding power over to the league. The league is basically going to do a power grab and decide to discipline. And once that happens, you'll never be able to rein it back in as, as far as the players are concerned. So you got to follow the protocol. What is the collect? What did it say? Collective bargain as far as the the uh, punishment, and then you go from there. Yeah, the the way it appears now is that 
there is sort of a unified front. You, you've yes. got the Players Association, which is currently led on an interim basis, interestingly enough in this, by Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. who, of course, was a longtime teammate of Draymond Green's in Golden State. You've got the league, you've got Draymond's representation, and you've got the team, and you've got Draymond himself. At least as of this moment, the way Woj explained it on TV this morning is that everyone is sort of unified in trying to get to an answer together. Now, to your point, there will come a point where the Players Association will be within their rights to say, oh, we got to figure out something. We, we can't just say, okay, he's suspended indefinitely, and now here we are in March, and he's still suspended because he's losing money for every one of these games. But all of that will get figured out, I think, as we go on. What I want to ask you about, because I think there's, there's something about team sports that is just different than anything else. And, of course, I never played it on any level of significance, but I've had a front-row seat to observe it for such a long time. You know, you've had guys that you, I, I just know this because I know you played and this, so it's impossible not to be the case. Guys that were difficult, guys you didn't see eye to eye with, guys you had to worry about, guys who, you know, we always hear about football players in particular. That guy's writing checks and now we got to cash it, right? They're doing crazy stuff. We got to go out there and fight for them, all that kind of stuff. When you have something like that going on, how does it affect everybody else? How do you handle it when something like that is happening in your team? I think the, I think the best way to describe it, Greeny, is, you know, you, you hear the word culture thrown around a lot in, mm-hmm. in sports, uh, especially, in, you know, in football, you hear the word culture thrown, a lot, thrown around a lot. And a lot of it, you know, it pertains to the locker room because some of the best organizations that I've ever been a part of was it wasn't up to the coaching staff or organization to police players. It was actually the players policing themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you had difficult players, because listen, you know, especially in a, in a game like football, you don't want 53 choir boys. You're not going to win that way. you got to have, quote, unquote, some dogs, some outlier guys that, that are a little off their rocker. But it ultimately falls down on the guys in the locker room really policing themselves, policing those guys like, hey, we have a standard here in our organization, in our locker room. you either going to fit into what we're doing here or you're going to quickly find yourself out of here. Um, that's why we were so successful in New England for all those years. We had guys that were off their rockers, but everyone kind of fell in line with what the kind of quote-unquote patriot way. And because of that, we had a lot of success. Um, we, had that, we had the same thing when, with the Jets when I was there with Rex Ryan. We had a couple guys that – you know, came from, you know, they had um, baggage coming into the locker room, but ultimately the locker room policed it and those guys ultimately fell in line. So that would be my answer to it is that the culture and the guys in the locker room really policing everyone in, in that in that space. It's interesting. You know, football is so different in, in, in so many ways, but one of them is that you're talking about 53 people right. as opposed to the much smaller group of basketball. The other one in this case is that Draymond is the team leader. Right. Like, he's the guy you would expect to be doing that with someone else. And, and now that people are looking at Steph Curry and saying, why can't Steph get this under control? One way or another, Hembo, of course, with us as always. So we, we, we talked about it yesterday. We speculated now that you've heard the decisions. What is your first blush reaction? I think that Adam Silver and the, and the league is exercising a, a good bit of wisdom here because a five-game suspension, a 10-game suspension, whatever, I think that would be the equivalent of just commanding a sick man to be well. Like at some point, you need some kind of intervention. You need something that can help you fix the problem from a process standpoint. And so I think the league is exercising good discernment here because they're not just going to slap another 
suspension upon him or a fine of some kind because we know that those things, at least in the past, have not worked and his behavior continues to be more and more erratic. So, D. Wood, that's why I think what the NBA did here was very wise because they've identified this as a major issue and now they're putting the sort of process in place that he can remedy that to sort of nip it at the bud rather than just do what they've done historically, which is just say, this is a, um, this is a thing that deserves an X game penalty based on our precedent. I think the question I have is, at what point, like, how do you know when to bring him back? Like, at what point here do you wait to, like, go through counseling? Like, I think that's where the negotiations are going to have to come in with the Players Association, Draymond's representative, because this process that we're talking about here, it could take quite some time. And, mm-hmm. again, you're not getting paid, you know, for these games. So how long does this last? I think that's, the, the to me, the real question in this whole, this whole saga. I mean, it's oversimplifying it to view it in terms of games or days. That's what makes this so complicated. Um, I don't have any idea what's going on inside of Draymond Green's head. So so I don't want to pretend that I do. I'm not in any way suggesting that I do. What I will say is that my observation of him throughout his career, because he's been very famous for a very long time, is that he strikes me as a very insightful, thoughtful, and intelligent person. He turned... Every now and again, something else just happens. Some part of him comes out. There is some um, there, there is some fuse that he needs to light in order to play at his level that every now and again cannot be controlled, mm-hmm. and he loses control over something like that. Whether those issues are, are can very specifically be defined as anger management or impulse control or all that, that's not something you figure out in a day right. or in a week or in eight games. I've been in therapy. I make no secret of that. I've been in therapy since I was in my 20s. I'm 56 years old. It is a lifelong journey of figuring out the things that are going on inside your own head. So to the point that you're asking, how do you know when the right time is? There is no right time. There is no point in time in which... Draymond Green will be able to look you in the face and say, oh, I'm better now. Like, that never happens again. So that complicates this. You're right. That's never going to happen. So they're just going to, at some point, have to take another leap of faith. I mean, unless they decide he's going to be banned for life from the league, he's going to come back and play. Now, the question then becomes, are we seeing the end of this? Like like Michael Wilbon said, this sort of feels like the last dance. You know, the, the last dance of the Chicago Bulls in 1998 has, I think, skewed the way we view dynasties because we never got a chance to see it organically end. They won the championship and then they were gone. It was over. We never we never saw Michael and Scotty and Phil and, and, and that group together again. Usually it ends a little more like this, not necessarily with one of the star players being constantly suspended. But it sort of ends with them running out of steam, right, D. Wood? Yep. I mean, that, that's the natural end of this, and I think we are seeing that in Golden State. Absolutely. Like, there is no, um, there's no, like, celebration to end the dynasty. You know, what's the thing about this? What, the last glimpse of the Patriots dynasty was Brady throwing a pick against the Tennessee Titans. Right. That was, that was it. Like, you know, you knew at that moment – it's over. It's over for New England and that dynasty. And you could cite so many cases of other teams, you know, in 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 sport, you know, in sports history. So, I, I when I watch Golden State and listen, I'm a most people know I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a big basketball fan as well. This team just looks old. They do. They look. They look old. They I mean, are old. They are. They're old. And and to have a sustained level of dominance the way that Golden State has had it. 
It should be celebrated. It should be commended. But all good things come to an end at some point. Yeah, and it will be. It will be. Again, the Draymond thing, that is, I guess, a real shame of this, is that it does skew. If, if this is the way it ends, it ends ugly. Right. In a way that it doesn't have to. Yes, Brady's last play ever as a Patriot was a pick six. But that doesn't skew the greatness of what right. he was. And you come back. This does. And this puts a, a different taste in the mouth of, of the way this thing peters out. But I think with Belichick, the way that the last few years have gone... It's a little bit of a sour taste. But, but, I, that, I don't but, think that's, but that's more the norm. Like, they, they start to lose. You know, you just, you, you, nothing stays this way. There's an expression in business. Nothing grows all the way to the sky. Like, at some point, everything ends. That's what I mean. Right. Like, the, the, I, I remember, so, so D would, I'm older than you are, but not, how old are you? I'm 46. Okay, so I'm a decade older than you. But do you remember the basketball in the 80s? Yes. So, so it was the Celtics and the Lakers, and they dominated basketball in the right. 80s. And in the Eastern Conference, the Pistons were knocking on that door, knocking on that door, couldn't beat Boston, couldn't beat Boston, had all these legendary series, couldn't do it, finally beat them. Yep. And the Celtics thing ended. Yep. Bulls couldn't beat Detroit, couldn't beat Detroit, couldn't beat Detroit, finally beat them. And the Pistons era ended. Like, yep. that's what happens. The great ones start to lose. That's yep. what I mean when I say, like, Michael and Scotty just walked away. We never saw them again. We never saw them lose. Part of that, I think, like, the Beatles breaking up as early as they did, part of that is we, we have no recollection of them getting old because they right. never did. Right. And, and it changes the mythology, I think, of some of these teams. It's the way, and I think the, the, the Bulls example is a great example is, I think it's the reason why we hold that dynasty to such a high regard because, yep. our, like, our lasting memory was them winning and then that's it. Yep. That's it. Like, dynasties don't usually end that way. Never. They usually end on a sour, sour note, guys looking old, not playing up to par, but they literally just – it was like they hit a walk-off home run. It usually ends with Franco Harris in a Seahawks uniform mm-hmm. and Emmett Smith in an Arizona Cardinals uniform right. and Michael Jordan years later in a Wizards uniform. Like these things don't stay that way forever. So we're seeing the natural end of that in Golden State. And that's fine. Like these guys deserve the right to, to be celebrated and feted and all the rest of that. And Steph is still playing great. Unfortunately, this Draymond thing makes it end a little more, as as uh, Jay Will said this morning, like a car wreck. And it's sort of like we're all rubbernecking as we watch it go by. D. Wood, you're the best, big fella. Yep. Thank you so much. Yep. I so appreciate you hanging out. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Much more on this as we continue on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Brainstorm, what is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning? Noise-canceling headphones? Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's 
best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greenie, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greenie. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. So much more to say on this Draymond situation. We'll get to that in 30 seconds. And then there's a lot of other things I want to do. I want to lighten the mood this morning as well, because it's a very serious topic. So I have a couple of funny things up my sleeve. Uh, Bubba's got the day off, but we got Cam, we got Himbo, and a whole lot more. Right now, 30 seconds for Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Uh, let me give you my first uh, take here, if I may, and steal a phrase from my friends Stephen A. Um, on the way the league handled this yesterday with Draymond Green, I think they continue to demonstrate that they get it. This was perfectly handled by the NBA. Because what has been clearly demonstrated is this is not a situation that is going to be remedied by a five-game suspension, an eight-game suspension, a 10-game suspension, a 20-game suspension. It's not going to change what's happening. This is something that needs to be addressed differently, sensitively, appropriately, and communally. I forget who it was. But was it Wendy who said this morning on TV with us, Hembo, that they're like building a village That's right. <laughs> around Draymond Green to try and handle mm-hmm. the situation between his agents, the team, Draymond himself, the league, the Players Association, because at some point it is clear Draymond Green can't control himself. He's not able to stop doing this. If he were, he would. And mental health is is a phrase that we now throw around. There's a part of me that is obviously delighted and thrilled that we are now taking mental health issues so much more seriously than we have in the past, and it's something I've talked about many times, and I'm more than comfortable talking about it. But it is also much too generic of an umbrella term to use. 
mental health does not mean one thing. It means millions of different things. So I can't tell you what is causing this problem with Draymond. It looks like impulse control. It may be anger management issues, but it could be any of a million things. And again, that's something that does not get resolved quickly. So they will approach this sensitively, reasonably, not vindictively, not emotionally, not just get them the hell out of the league. They will consider everyone's best interest, including the other players that have to deal with him. And then, of course, Draymond himself. Look, I I think they continue to demonstrate Adam Silver and that entire group there at the NBA, that they get it. I think this was extremely well handled. Now, the devil will be in the details as it goes forward. I I don't know that this will just remain an easy path going forward, but there's no reason to expect it to. This is not an easy situation. So I think that at least to begin with, they've handled this extraordinarily well. Yeah, Indefinite suspensions in the NBA are exceedingly rare, but we did see one just last year. Uh, Kyrie Irving was suspended indefinitely. Uh, in his case, he was uh, promulgating anti-Semitic beliefs, and the league did a lot of behind-the-scenes things, I guess, that they felt would remedy his situation. He wound up being suspended for eight games, Greeny. So I'm not exactly sure. Look, we can't compare anything to this like for like, but it's not a totally dissimilar situation that did happen last year. And I'd like to think that the NBA got that one right, too, in some sense. And so I think they're sort of using uh, the same page from that playbook. And that's why I'm encouraged uh, that the decision they came to here might be one that works in the long run. Yeah, look, there are, you know, there are, uh, when you have kids, Hembo, you've learned this recently, too. When you have children, there are all these books that you can read about parenting. If this happens to this, if this happens to this, as though parenting is a science It's not a science, it's an art. We're all different. We're all different human beings. And we all will face situations, show me that in a book somewhere. You know, like when when, when your kids do this, this situation isn't covered in a manual. It's not how these things work. The Kyrie Irving situation is not something that came with instructions. The John Morant situation is not something that comes with instructions. And the Draymond Green situation isn't something that comes with instructions. It needs to be handled sensitively and appropriately, taking into account the best interest of everyone, including but not limited to him. And I think that they have at least taken the first steps on that path. And as I said, one never knows until it goes on. And I think this is something that will go on for a while. Let me let you hear from a few other people. Uh, We had Brian Windhorst this morning on Get Up talking about how the league got where they got. What the league is doing at this point is taking it out of the system that it's been working, somewhat taking it out of the Warriors' hands, because the way it's been working, especially in the wake of that punch, hasn't been successful. And so they want to try to get Draymond to a place where he examines more the root of this, as opposed to just throwing down another suspension where you count the number of games. And hopefully, this is the last suspension of his career. That's what they're aiming for here, not to you know, satisfy the mob or, you know, send some sort of quote-unquote message. So that that's well said uh, by Wendy, and I think a good explanation of what we were just saying. Kevin Durant, who of course played with Draymond in Golden State for those years, and they had very well-documented, you know, issues while the two of them were together. This is what Durant said last night. Yeah, that was insane to see. Glad Nurk is all right. Never seen that before in a basketball court in an NBA game. I hope Draymond gets the help he needs. Uh, it's been incident after incident. So I know Draymond, and that's not, you know, he doesn't, he, he hasn't been that way when I was around him. And 
coming into the league. So hopefully he gets the help he needs and get back on the court and you know put all the stuff behind him. So Emba, you you did an interesting thing. You put together a list of questions. You've all who listen to this show have gotten to know Hembo, of course, as a member of the hashtag crew. Um, but your your job is you're one of the producers on Get Up as well. And, and in that role, you put together an interesting list of questions just for us to ponder as a group today, as we were putting the television show today. What, what are some of them that you have in there that you think we haven't covered? Is there anything that you haven't heard addressed that you think should be? I'm curious if you believe that the Warriors have some culpability here, because this is the same player that punched one of his teammates at one point, Jordan Poole, and since that happened, they traded Poole, and they gave Draymond Green $100 million. Do you think, look, it's very difficult for me to put blame on anyone aside from Draymond Green here, but if we're going to get to the root of the problem, do you think he has in, in any way been enabled by the organization? Sure, but he's special. And there is always that dynamic. Um, the legendary stories, um, you know, the, 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 this is not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. But there were the legendary stories about how when Jimmy Johnson became the coach of the Cowboys, one of the players, a, a not very well, I mean, so much so that I don't know the name of the player now, fell asleep during a team meeting. And Jimmy Johnson just cut him, literally just cut him for falling asleep. And the question was, what would you have done if it was Troy Aikman? And he said, I would have politely woken him up. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just, again, this isn't the same thing. But these teams don't win championships without Draymond Green. So they've been on that level, I guess, enabling him forever because there is a fine line. There's a fine line between we need Draymond not just to play well, but also to provide that fire and leadership and whatever, all that. See, he lives his life. I shouldn't say that. I don't know how he lives his life. He lives his career, his, his basketball life is lived right on a line, right? There's a line between what is and isn't appropriate, what is fiery and aggressive and what is, you know, beyond the pale and dirty or reckless or whatever other word you want to attach to it. He lives his entire, he plays his every game practically right on that line. And I think if he isn't on that line or close to it, this team isn't as good. And then, so, and they know that. And so they have dealt with it, however they've dealt with it. And then when he goes over it every now and again, I mean, on some level, they're not in the wrong for always trying to figure out how just to get him back on the right side of the line. Because at the end of the day, their job is to try and win. And he helps them do that. So culpability is a complicated word. Um, at the beginning of the day, everyone is to blame and no one is to blame aside from him. So Bob Myers is no longer with the team. He obviously ran the team for many years. And some are saying that perhaps he got out while the getting was good, that he knew exactly what he was doing, that leaving now was the exact right time to do so. Is there anything to that or is that merely coincidental? I don't have any way of knowing that. I, I think, like I just said, dynasties end. Like th th this, this was always going to happen, whether Bob was still there or not. I have no idea how that factored into his thinking. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've only met him a handful of times. I, I don't, you know, as you know, I don't work on the show. I don't do, uh, I don't host Countdown anymore. So I, I haven't sat with him and had long conversations and gotten to know him the way I do, you know, Michael and Stephen A and Woj and, and others. But, but I don't know. It's certainly possible, but I don't know that it's necessary. Like, Greg Popovich didn't get out while the getting was good in San Antonio. Pat Riley didn't get out while the getting was good in Miami. Like, you, you, these things ebb and flow. 
even the Boston Celtics, who won, what, they win 11 championships in 13 years? Exactly. Like, it stops. It ends. And you go on. And, and Red Auerbach remained in the organization into the 80s and, and, and found a, a new team to build around Jojo White and Dave Cowens and John Havlicek and won championships. And then, you know, found another one around Larry Bird and, and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. Like, the Warriors will rise and fall again. I think this iteration of them feels over because I think injuries have taken their toll on Clay Thompson. Anyone who rips Clay Thompson is missing the forest for the trees. Clay Thompson suffered consecutively the two worst injuries an athlete can suffer. He tore his Achilles and tore his ACL. Like either one of those injuries is devastating and players are frequently never the same. He had them back to back. So the idea that he was going to recapture everything that he previously was is was always unrealistic. He's an all-time great player who just unfortunately got hurt. Steph remains an all-time great player, but he's getting old. Draymond, you know, they, they counted on a lot of these young guys. They, they have this kid, Jonathan Kaminga, who's the big guy they drafted that they've already traded James away. Wiseman. Wiseman. You know, they thought that was going to be the next iteration. They were going to kind of hand it off to them and let Steph... Uh, you know, be carried by these young guys and, and still be his great self. And that that hasn't played out. But I have, as far as Bob's specific motivation, I have no way of knowing. So there's a, a list, spoiler alert, in our new book in which we um, rank the top 10 dynasties in the history of sports. Uh, these warriors are, are on that list. The reason I mention it is because I think Draymond Green's portion of this dynasty is extremely complicated. Like, do you think 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now, when people are talking about Draymond Green, the same way that we talk about, say, those Bulls teams, is he Scotty? Is he Rodman? Is he some combination thereof? What well, place does Rodman. he have in that arc? He's 100% Rodman. Now, the difference is that Rodman wasn't there for the first three championships. Draymond was there for all of them. But if we're just going to use the second iteration of the Bulls titles, for sure he's Rodman. Their games are so similar. What they bring is so similar. Their volatility is so similar. Steph is Michael. Clay is Scotty. And, and Draymond is Rodman. Having covered Rodman, though, is, as much as you did and, how, and, and, and for how well you knew him, do you see, do you see many similarities? Or is it, is it just like the way that they play basketball, the way that they are on the court? Well, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Like, do, are they similar as people? Yeah. No. They're not. Oh, certainly not. Rodman was a... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You're not old enough, I guess, to remember what was old. going on then. I mean, Rodman was... was Rodman became very famous by being very... Um, what's the right word to use here? Offbeat? Like, an extremely unusual. He, he wore a wedding dress, a woman's wedding dress, to a book signing one time. Um, he was going out with celebrities, with Madonna, with people like that. Um, dyeing his hair, all, all kinds of different colors, way before that was a thing. All the piercings and everything. I mean, that was stuff that right now might not seem so unusual, but at that time most certainly was. Um, Draymond, their games are very similar. I, I don't have any sense that as people they're similar. So the reason I ask that... I do not think we will see Draymond hanging out with Kim Jong-un seems anytime in the future. unlikely, but the reason I ask that question, and the reason I ask that question that way is because I happen to view Draymond Green... A lot more like Scotty. I think that he is clearly the second most impactful, the second most important player on this Warriors 
dynasty, the same way that I view Scottie Pippen during that time. And so just because his, his on-court behavior is kind of more similar to Dennis Rodman, I think he is definitively a greater player than Dennis Rodman. I think Draymond Green is the greatest role player of all time. Hmm. Well, isn't that an interesting thing for you to say? Um, he could be. Uh, who, who, who else falls in that category? Like, who, who are the great? They see different players play different roles. <coughs> so um, there are guys who are just pure scorers, right? Like a guy like Vinnie Johnson, they used to call him the microwave. He would come off the bench and just score like 14 points in four minutes and then sit down again. And that was the, you know, that was his whole role. He was a role player. Defense and, and, and you know, specialists like that. Rodman and 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 Draymond, I think, are very similar. So 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 let's 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 try and uh, define what you're saying. Players who could be as valuable as they are without scoring. There are not that many players in NBA history that could have as much impact on a game as Draymond Green and Dennis Rodman without barely scoring at all. Draymond Green is going to go to the Hall of Fame, don't you think? Oh, for sure. He averages for his career. Nine points a game. How many points did Rodman average? Sim- a similar number. That's what I mean. Also in the single digits. They're very similar. They're very similar players. Ben Wallace. What do you think about the comparison yeah. there? Yeah, he was that, but he's not as good. I mean, Rod- ben Wallace historically is not as good a player as Rodman or, or, or Draymond. Rodman only averaged seven, so he was even more... Points per game? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that might include... Because diff- he was a different player in Detroit. Like, yeah, there were three Rodmans. There was the Dennis Rodman in Detroit, and then there was the brief Dennis Rodman in San Antonio, and then there was the Dennis Rodman in Chicago, who is the one that everyone remembers Do you now. think that Scottie Pippen was a definitively better player than Draymond Green? That Scottie Pippen was? Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, not even close. That Draymond Green? Not even close. Do you think they're comparable defenders? Uh... You know, it's different. Their, 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 their builds are so different. I mean, Draymond is a great defender and a great rebounder. Um, and a great passer. And a great passer. But, I mean, Scotty would guard. So, so I remember asking Phil Jackson a question once. The year that they lost, who did they lose to? The year that they lost, uh, I think it was, it must have been the year they lost to Orlando. Um, but I don't remember. But it was a year in which they lost. Because I remember asking Phil during a series, is it fair to ask Scotty to do all the things you're asking him to do on the defensive end and still be your primary scorer? It would have to have been the year before because Jordan yeah, was, was back by the second one. It was 95 the year before the, the last 95 B- because, because I mean, he was guarding – he would guard your point guard. He would guard your center. He would guard everybody else. He was an elite passer. He was an elite scorer. He was um, – I mean, Scottie Pippen was, was a, a ridiculously elite defender. They used to call what they called the Dalmatian defense uh, with, with him and Harper and Jordan and, and Rodman. They, 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 yes, if you're asking me do, on the historical list of greatest players, Scottie Pippen definitely goes ahead of Draymond. I think they're really, really close. I mean, if you look at just like the – I know you can't do this numerically, but if you just look at the numbers side by side, the only way or area in which Scottie has a clear advantage is the scoring. That's a pretty big one. But – he didn't. I mean, Clay Thompson's also on the Warriors, and I think that Draymond knew exactly what role he needed to fill and did it about as well as any role player that ever lived. I understand that, but I mean, so maybe I'm not saying the same thing you are, but if you then asked him to do what Scottie Pippen did, he couldn't. You couldn't then say to him, all right, tonight we need you to go out and get 30 points for us, which Scottie could do on any given night. I think that's right. 
I mean, the year that Michael didn't play, Scotty finished third in MVP. Voting. And he should have won. And Phil should have been coach of the year. Don't get me started on that whole thing. And they should have been in the finals, too, but for a terrible call by Hugh Hollins at the Garden. So there's a million other storylines <laughs> that go into that. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, we've got a sneaky hembo here, so let's do that. Real quick. The Chargers and the Raiders, they play tonight. On Thursday night football. They've it's only... Easton Stick against Aiden O'Connell. Yes, uh, Al Michaels has gone from the miracle on ice to this. Okay, <laughs> so those teams, the Chargers and the Raiders, have only met once in the playoffs. Who is the winning quarterback in that game? Oh, I love the question. The answer is next on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny, with you on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. This is driving me nuts. Wow. Okay. And how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Hembo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? Hembo, what's today's question? So the Raiders and the Chargers, they've played 127 times in the regular season, but they've only played once in the playoffs. And my question for you is who is the winning quarterback in that game? All right, so uh, Bubba's not here today, so Cam and I will guess. This is driving me nuts because I pride myself on knowing all of this history, particularly NFL history. So the only thing I I did confirm with Hembo is it was not an AFL game because that would have gone back to John Hadel and Daryl LaMonica and people like that. So it's not that he confirmed with me that it was an NFL playoff game. So that brings us into, in the Ken Stabler era of the Raiders, I don't feel like the Chargers were ever good. Their real rival in that division was the Broncos, so I don't think it would be that. Then the Plunkett Raider teams, I think that came just before Fouts and the Chargers got really good through the rest of the 80s, and then there was a stretch there where neither team was any good for a long time, 
And then the Chargers for a very long time had Phillip Rivers, who won a ton of playoff games. Now that the, the, the Raiders stunk on ice for most of that time. So I'm really struggling to come up with a guess here. Do you have one, Cam? I do. I'm thinking in the same 80s era when they were both still good. I think Plunkett did play. He won in 80, and then he won a couple of years later. I'm hoping there's some overlap there. I'm worried that there's not, but I am going to go with Jim Plunkett just because I, I think they might have played each other once in those 80s Plunkett years. won two Super Bowls. Yeah. He, he, he beat the, the Eagles yep. as a wild card. The Raiders were a wild card in 1980. Then they came back and they obliterated the Washington like three years later. Would, would Fouts and them have already been there? Would, would that team have been in the playoffs that year? Far fewer teams made the playoffs in those days. Is, is it not possible that like one of those Sean Merriman Charger teams wound up playing the Raiders in some early The Raiders round? were never in the playoffs those years, though. No, they were awful. But they, they, they had that brief little time there with Gruden and... But I think that was I think that was before Rivers' time. They want they went to the Super Bowl in '02 with Gruden, and right. then they didn't make the playoffs for like 15 years after that. So you're going to go plunk it? Yeah, I think it's got to be '80s. I'm worried it's like that Chargers team in the '90s that also went to the Super Bowl, but I don't I don't think it is. So I'm going plunk it. I think the quarterback of that team was Stan Humphrey. It is, yeah. But I just don't know if the Raiders were any good then. I don't think they were. I don't either. What is your gut telling you, Greeny? My gut is telling me that it's not plunk it. So so he's going to go plunk it. And I'm going to go, with some agony, I'm going to go Stan Humphreys. That's Ooh. my guess. Our, uh, our Bardop Sam today is going with Dan Fouts. So we got right. three different guesses. So we have a brand new guesser. Yes. So someone new to be in the standing. So we got a Fouts, we got a Humphreys, and we got a Plunkett. Hembo. The correct answer is Jim Plunkett. Yes! Oh. Let's go! <laughs> oh, that is agonizing. <laughs> Oh, I'm in so much pain now. I'm surprised that you don't remember the game. It what was, the, was the game? It was the 1980 AFC Championship game immediately before Oakland beat Philly in the Super Bowl. They beat San Diego? They beat San just, Diego. Was that, was that already Fouts? That was already Fouts. Oh, my gosh. That was the Kellen Winslow year, right? No, was it? No, 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 no. Kellen Winslow... They wound up losing the ice ball game, the freezer ball oh, yeah, game, whatever that was, that was. I think that was the year after. The following year but Yeah, against they were Cincinnati. good before. Yeah, I, all right, that makes sense. So the, the Chargers got good with Fouts in 79. That was their first playoff year, and they rattled off four in a row. This was the second of those four That was Air Coriel, so that was earlier than wow. my recollection. Damn it. Oh, I'm so mad. Okay, <laughs> run down the scoreboard, Cam. All right, I am 17 and 29. No Bubba today. He's 14 and 31. You're 11 and 35. No Brandon guessing today. He's 5 and 16. Jay Wills 0 and 2, as are Mark Cuban, Dominique Foxworth, and our board up Sam Pierce. Okay, there you go. Hambo, that's a good question. Can't complain about the question. I'm upset that I didn't get it right. That's a good question. Greeny with you. We come to you live from the, above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. I'd like to say something else, too. And, def- and I'm going to defend the last people in the world that I think you would expect me to defend. Who are the most frequently criticized collection of people in the world by both Fans and people inside any sports industry alike. Uh, NFL officials. NFL officials. NFL officials are taking it from all sides right now. The, you, got, you got their own. Uh, Dean Blandino and John Perry are on here this week talking about how the state of NFL officiating is, isn't as good as it needs to be. And Patrick Mahomes is wearing out the refs the other day after one of his teammates lines up offsides. And all these people are coming down on the NFL refs. But it is ironic that this conversation, the jumping off point of this iteration of the conversation is the officials getting a call right 
the officials called offside on Kadarius Tony. Had he not been offside, I could understand all of the reaction. But what we're now doing is we're screaming and yelling about the state of NFL officiating because it came to light this week that they got a call right. I have been saying forever, going back to the mid-2000s, Mike and I did a book that was published in 2010. It is the, the first chapter of the book is about this. Instant replay exists for one reason and one reason only, and that is to clean up a mess that is uncleanable. The job we are asking NFL officials to do is impossible. So many things are happening so fast on a football field that there's no way they're going to get all these calls right. There's no way. And so now, when we have taken instant replay and bastardized it, we've, we've destroyed what it should be. We've got instant replay now taking a 10-minute look at whether the ball moved one iota before it touched the ground. That's not what it was meant to be. That's not what it should be. It should only be there to correct huge mistakes, obvious mistakes. All this challenge nonsense. Replay is there because officials can't be expected to always get it right. We are looking at 27 different angles in super slow motion of something we're asking them to decide instantly. It's an impossible job. You can make it maybe a little better than it is. You're never going to make it. There is no chance you will ever make officiating what people seem to want it to be, which is perfect. Never get a call wrong. That's not on the list of options, people. You're asking them to do the impossible. So we institute a fail-safe. We put in instant replay, which should be able to correct the egregious mistake. Parenthetically, it would not have corrected the call at the end of the Kansas City game because that wasn't a mistake. But it would have corrected the call the week before against Green Bay, and maybe Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have been so mad. It would have corrected the call at the end of the New Orleans Rams uh, NFC Championship game, and maybe NFL history would have been correctly rewritten. So certain plays being not reviewable, what are we talking about? Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We should be reviewing probably 10% of what we are, and we should be getting the egregious calls right, and it shouldn't take nearly this long And it should be solving a problem instead of creating new ones. That's what I think. We'll see what you think next. We're just rolling along. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts. 